we have Eliezer and Kelly and their family here this morning. They are missionaries to Indonesia, which about every missionary I've heard has had problems with the pandemic happening, which when they come home from furlough, it's hard for them to get back just for the way things are happening right now. We've had them here before. It's been, what, two, three, four years ago? And I made the comment when they came in, I can still remember their kids when they were really little, and they just keep getting bigger all the time. So as time moves on. But we'll turn the rest of the service over to you, Eliezer. Okay, good morning. Um, thank you for the opportunity of being back here. I, I don't know. We kind of uh, keep track of uh, how long it has been that we've been in one place by the size of our kids. So we figured that Livia was very small when we came last time. So she is seven. So, yeah, you can. Yeah, it goes by. Uh, our family is not complete, by the way. Uh, Lucas is not with us today, so he is home with uh, Hope today. Um, so, yeah, we miss him. He he wanted to come, but he was not feeling very well, so he said, you know, you better stay home. So, anyways, he is the youngest. Yeah, he is three. Yeah. Um, where to start? It's been a while since I spoke here last time. Um, I, I was praying yesterday, and my hope is that whatever we share today, uh, it's going to encourage you, and somehow it's going to make you feel part of what's happening on the other side of the world. Um, I want to say thank you to those of you that have been praying for us, for our family, and for the work in uh, Papua. And we wanted to say thank you for those of you that have been part of our support team. You are very important of this, in this work. We will not be able to do what we do if it wasn't for people supporting us in prayer, financially as well, and, and be involved with us. Uh, life over there is not much different from life over here. The things that are different are the things that make us all different. Language, culture, you know, um, food that we eat, uh, things that we do for fun, um, types of jobs and work. Those are the things that were different. But the challenges in ministry and struggles and hardships and diseases and sickness and whatever, it's all the same. We all struggle with different, with the uh, same things but just different locations. Um, a lot has happened since we were here last time. Uh, we left to Asia Pacific um, summer of 2015. And after just uh, a little bit of warm up that we call, we just, you know, get our ears tuned to the new sounds of, of the language, you know, we got into language study full time. Um, is uh, required of us to have at least 40 hours a week of language study. So that's full time job. Um, but living in Indonesia or living in a country, it just makes us 
be 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week because everything you do is in a different language. Everything you, every place you go, you're exposed to the language. So you're using every opportunity we have, you know, to just kind of a grow in understanding and, and learning new words and learning how people uh, do things over there. So for um, one year, we just did language study. Uh, Java was one of the islands. Um, we were um, studying in a school. It was part of our visa process. So, and also during the, the week, just studying with language helpers, people that, friends that we made and people that came to our house and we just had sessions of language with them. After a year, we moved to Manado, which is a different location, um, North Siloesi. Uh, Indonesia is a large country. It's spread out. If you look at the map, you see that it looks like they went through the meat grinder. You know, it's everywhere. So it's a pretty large country. Uh, we live in Siloesi for another year and a half. We continue our language study there. Uh, something that is very challenging is every place you go, the dialect changes a bit. So you, you feel like you know, but you don't. <laughs> so we did a year of a very formal language, uh, national language. Um, the need of the formal is just pretty much all the offices, uh, church, everything is, is very formal language. And then you have the everyday language. In Portuguese, we have a little bit of that, you know? Uh, not maybe so much like the Indonesian language, but uh, in Brazil, if I'm speaking at church, I use one type of language. It's very formal, it's very correct way to say things, you know, not necessarily, but it's, it's, it's formal. If I'm with friends or family or hang out with people outside or after church, it's a very different language that we use. Um, so we had to learn that really quick because it's just not appropriate to use some of the ways that we speak with our friends in front of the church. So anyways, you probably can relate some with that. <laughs> um, so for another year and a half, we study in, in northern Siloesi, and we thought that God wants us there. But he had different plans, and he changed totally the direction that we were going. And I'm going to talk a little more about that. So we left with this unit, three kids, a wife, and a bunch of bags, um, to Asia Pacific in 2015. Uh, Lucas came along the way. He was born in 2017. Um, we went back to Brazil uh, for his birth because complications on pregnancy. And also, uh, it was a good opportunity to connect with our church in Brazil. So we, we were in Brazil for just three months, four months, and we returned to Asia and continued work there. We left with three main goals, and I believe I had mentioned those three goals with you guys back in 2014 or 15 that I was here. And, and those goals are goals that we make kind of a hoping on the time frame we have of one term, about four years, we, hoping, we are hoping to see those things accomplished. Honestly, I, I can only see those goals now after I look my notes from five years ago because as you're 
going through things is just hard to see anything positive. You just, man, I will never learn this language. You can ask my wife how many times I said that, you know. So the first, the first goal was learn the language. First goal was to be able to communicate. I mean, we go through a very extensive training. Um, New Tribes, or now Atheron's 360 training, is a pretty long training if you compare with some other organizations and some other ministries out there. So we go through Bible school, we go all the, the mission training, and we get ready, prepare everything, leave, head in the, go into the field, and now we get there, and we are just useless. You're just totally useless. You cannot communicate a word. You cannot order food. You cannot do anything in that place. So the national language is extremely important for communicating with a local church and also to live there. We live there. That's our life. The importance of the national language is it, it, there's no way to emphasize how important it is, the national language, even though that is not our target language. We are looking into a different place, but to be able to live there and encourage the church and have the church involved with the ministry, the national language is important. Um, the second goal was team formation. We knew that from the beginning we were not supposed to work by ourselves. I mean, there's no way that we can function and, and see anything accomplished if we are just one unit working uh, in, in a village. But team formation was something that was important to us so much that we didn't want to uh, we didn't want to have anything to do with it we said god you're gonna have to put this team together we do not want to decide hey i like you you're gonna work with me no i don't want to do anything like that and the third goal was ministry location also something super difficult to decide you're talking about a super large country with different languages. Just in Papua, where we live right now, we have over 700 different languages just in one island. And Indonesia is over 17,000 islands. So every place you go, you find a mix of national language, which is the one that we speak, and the, the local language. So we, I mean, living in Java for a year, we got pretty confused at the beginning because you sit with a friend and you're trying to learn some words and he shares some words and then you compare. You're supposed to compare those words with somebody else to kind of see pronunciation and all that. And quite often uh, people will say, hey, that is not Indonesian. That's not how we say it. We say it like this. I said, oh, okay, so you don't want to make the other one look bad because he told you something different, you know, so, okay, I have to compare this with the third person. So you get that, and you compare with somebody else. It's, oh, no, 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 it's not like that, it's like this. I said, what is going on, you know? You guys speak how many languages? So uh, it's just the local dialect, you know? It's very common that they don't even know. They grew up with both, so they don't know which one is Indonesian, which one is Javanese. They just speak it, you know? But for us, it was challenging because we didn't know anything. So it was quite challenging in the beginning until we learned the sounds of Indonesian, the sounds of Japanese, and we can actually separate both. I said, okay, teach me Indonesian. I don't want to learn Japanese right now. So 
interesting things, three goals that we, we had in mind that we were trying to see accomplished in the first term. Every one of those goals were pretty impossible, pretty overwhelming. I had to learn English not many years ago. I had to learn a language before, and I knew that that was not an easy task. And now I'm going to a place where I have no background. You have no movies that you can watch. You have no programs that can help you. You know, there's no, you know, access to things online that you can actually go and, and try to learn a little faster. Nothing. It was a language that I have n never been in touch with before. It, it is nothing like English or Portuguese. Totally different. So pretty impossible task. Um, team formation also. We don't know who we're going to work with. Ministry location, pretty impossible. We, we, we thought about different places, you know, as we were just studying language over there. But we said, God, I don't know. Show us where you want us to be. You know us better. You know our skills. You know our our um, abilities and, and talents. And just we want to be used. But the time was coming really quick that we had to make some decisions. And um, I'm going to be touching those points of team formation and ministry location in a little bit. So when we came back now last year, uh, see? 2019, we came back. We've been around for a while. Yeah, COVID changed a lot of things. But we came back for our first furlough in 2019, the summer of 2019. We were pretty tired. And it's funny, it's not a physical tiredness. It's a mental tiredness. Um, I would say we were pretty close to the edge of burned out. And I don't know how much you understand of that because I thought that that thing was just not real. Oh, burnout. Oh, stress. Cultural stress, whatever. So, no, 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 it's not true. Well, I went through it before. I mean, when we were in training, English was still pretty beginning. Um, I could understand. I could speak a little bit, but I was not comfortable. And I forgot how many times I said, let's just go home. What are we doing here? I'm done with Americans, you know. We are so different. Let's go home. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I learned that cultural stress is real, and there is only way to get over the stress is just facing it and trusting the Lord and just keep moving forward. Um, realizing that it's present, realizing that's real, it's a uh, beginning, you know, and just... Dealing with the, with the stress is, is a big challenge, but it's, it's worth it because then you start putting yourself in a situation that just makes you more comfortable with people and the language and the culture that you're living in. Um, so we came back needing some replenishing, some recharging, some... How are you going to say that? We, we feel like we stand out too easy over there. I mean, I'm this tall, 
you know. Most of my friends are this tall. So you, you, there's no way to blend in. You're always, uh, yeah, spotlight. People want to take pictures with you. Oh, you're from America. You say, no, I'm from Brazil. Say, oh, nice. Can I take a picture with you? I say, yeah, sure. Uh, it gets old after a while. And we've been kind of in this kind of a situation for four years. So when we came back, uh, we were offered to live in the uh, Christensen's house. Is north, uh, just straight north here in Westerville. And he said, um, so this house is here. It's for whoever wants to, to use. And I'm happy that you guys are here. You can stay in the house. So I said, well, thank you for that. And he said, I hope it's okay. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. I said, I like it. Thank you. <laughs> we need some emptiness. You know, I love to see nothing for a while. You know, <laughs> So it was a perfect spot for us just to kind of uh, find um, um, some recharging that was very needed. Even though we were not feeling great when we first got back stateside, the goals that we had at first when we left overseas, they were all accomplished. And we could not feel it. We could not, you know, wow, why, what would have happened? Why we don't feel like, awesome, let's move on. We feel like, I'm done with this. We came back fluent in the national language. We got all the stages that we need to get. We put all the hours we need to put into. Um, the, the, the languages are divided in, in levels. So basic, uh, progressing, and capable, and proficient. Proficient is, you guys are proficient in English, you know, is your native language, you know. So um, some people will say that I'm proficient in English now after 10 years, you know, knowing English. But I will always learn something new because it's not my heart language. I am proficient in Portuguese. So just to give you an idea of what it is. So the mission requires that we be at least a capable high for me. So each one of those levels are divided in three. So I have to be in capable high, and Kelly was capable mid. Well, the only difference on the medium and the high there is just like the, the more formal church language, because I'm required to be able to preach there, not necessarily Kelly. She will get to that capable high eventually uh, if she just keeps putting hours into language study. But she graduated, you know, she is done with the formal language study right now, so which means that we can move on. So we finished our language study, the national one. Our team is complete. Um, we were working together with two other families, one from South Korea and one family from Texas. And it's challenging, but it's been a blessing. Um, God, totally put, God totally put together this team. We were not looking to work with them at all. Uh, the funny thing is even in training, we never consider working with the Jobs. Good friends, we were close neighbors, but said, no, I don't know. I don't think I would ever work with the Jobs. And here we are working with the Jobs. They are nice. They are from Texas. They have three boys, uh, about the age of our kids. 
And, uh, and the, the Yeos uh, from South Korea, uh, they have four kids, and they are back in South Korea right now for furlough as well because of uh, health issues and also got stuck with COVID and a few different things. So, but our team is complete, and we already know where we're going to be working. Um, I give you guys uh, in the back there, you're welcome to get one of those uh, folders. I think I have one over here. Um, since that I'm showing you this, I'd just like to mention a couple things about what is in here. So this is the name of the people group that we're working with. Um, and it's a small island off the coast of Papua. And it's a long story to tell you how we got to to work with this people, uh, people group, but it's super clear to us and for to our team that God totally opened up the door and show us the path to the Miobo. While everything else was closed, we were looking to work in the mountains, not in the coast, but everything was closed. No possibility of ministry, new ministries in, in the mountains. So God just opened the door for us to be with this small people group. There's some information inside um, talking about the people and also some of the things uh, we are going to be involved with and the challenges. If nothing else, pray for them. Pray for them. I had plans to bring uh, a picture and I end up forgetting, but um, just this couple weeks ago, no, this week, started uh, uh, in Papua, one of our teams is, is teaching the gospel for the first time to the people after they finish all the previous work. What's that? It's a different location, yeah. But it gets us pretty excited because we're hoping to see the Miobo uh, hearing the gospel for the first time as well. Um. cannot be expressed and thank you whatever it doesn't express our gratitude as we look into the future now even though our future seems quite quite foggy because of some of the regulations and rules that we have to follow to be able to return as we look into the future the Lord has been challenging me with the verse in Acts 20:24. so if you Want to uh, open your Bible in Acts, chapter 20 in the verse 24. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying of the good news of God's grace you know, I, I've been I've been thinking a lot, and something something somebody told me one of the first times I got up and spoke in front of people. It was, uh, and I was, yeah, I was pretty nervous, you know. And they said, you know, just just share what God is is teaching you and challenging you with, and this is part of it. You know, this is exactly what's happening here. Uh, all my notes came from. God working in my own heart and just challenging me with, with his word. 
I consider my life worth nothing to me. Paul saying that. Huh? My only aim is to finish the race, the Christian race, the Christian life. That's the race we are all running. If you are in a race, if you're not in a race, then you're not running. You're probably running for something else. To complete the task that the Lord has given me. The task to testify the good news of God's grace. To the church was given the great privilege and responsibility to make Jesus' name known among the nations. Making disciples, teaching them to observe all that God has has been teaching, um, all, all that God has been saying in his word. In teaching them to carry on the Great Commission. It's not just about salvation. It's not just about ticket to heaven. I have everything I need. I'm, I'm saved for eternity. That is just the beginning. We are making disciples, which means passing on and having those passing on and carry on the Great Commission. Are you a newborn believer? Am I a newborn believer? What are, what are you sacrificing for the sake of the gospel? What am I sacrificing for the sake of the gospel? You know, I've been thinking about this, this question for a while now. And I, I have no conclusion. I'm still thinking about it. Because I don't... You know, when you start thinking about some of the things, oh, I left Brazil, yeah, I'm away from my family. Is that a sacrifice? Well, <laughs> maybe some people is going to be very hard for others, not so, so bad. Oh, I'm away from all my friends. I'm in a different country, a different culture for a while already. God has blessed me so much with friends, with church family, with people that are closer than my brother is to me. And so is that a sacrifice? Let's open our Bibles in 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to be reading a few verses there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Thinking about that question, what, uh, what am I sacrificing for the sake of the gospel? I just came to these verses here in 1 Corinthians 9, starting on verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. And I'm just skipping whatever is in, in you know, what is that? Inter parenthesis, honey. A princess. Okay. Okay, so I'm skipping that just to keep the line of the thought here. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, 
so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share its blessings. Man, we could be hours studying just these verses. Why am I sacrificing for the sake of the gospel? Um, there's a quote here from David Platt, and I often go back to this because I, I love it. In a world where everything revolves around self, protect yourself, promote yourself, preserve yourself, take care of yourself. Jesus said, slay yourself. And that's exactly what happened. According to scripture and traditions, those four fishermen pay a steep price for following Jesus. Peter was hung upside down on a cross. Andrew was crucified in Greece. James was beheaded. And John was exiled. Make no mistake about it. The cost of following Jesus is high. Whether we live in North Africa or Beverly Hills or Miller, Nebraska, to become a Christian means to lose our lives. And I, I've, been, I've been thinking about that because, yes, it, it's, it's hard to make a decision in the time that we live, we're living right now. Um, COVID made things very difficult to travel we might get stuck in the middle of the way, unable to get all the way to the final destination. And, and that is real. I mean, you just look at the news. The regulations and restrictions are being changed every day. You have something new. Sometimes we feel like, nah, let's just sit tight for now. Let's just wait and see what happens. But I have an unfinished task. I'm looking forward to go back. God called us for something specific over there, and it's not finished yet. Since the day that we arrived in, um, in the field, uh, we've been hearing a lot the word becoming. It was a major thing, you know. It was coming in every meeting we had with leadership and every meeting we had about language study. We were become, becoming we were supposed to become more like the people. I said, well, that's impossible. We will never be like the locals, you know. We will look different. We, we just can't. Well, the becoming for a long time was misunderstood, uh, I guess. It was more like, oh, you'll become like the locals. No, we'll become more like Christ. Become more what Christ wants us to be. And, and this, is, this is a big challenging uh, thing to do because... We stand out so much in the country we're living in that it's hard to see how can you become something that will blend in and will be efficient, uh, it will be um, useful in this culture. We have 
he's not in the field anymore. He retired. He's living in Florida now. But one of our leaders, uh, when we first arrived in the field, no kidding, he's probably six, one. I don't know. He's super tall. He's a big guy, you know. And I have to look up to talk to him every time. And uh, we had a lot of opportunities to just uh, hang out with the, uh, with him and his wife. And they've been in the field for over forty years, I guess. And we we had we were in the same church, attending the same church over there. So we had quite a few opportunities to just. Uh, uh, have meals with the church people, you know, and and he will sit down in the floor to eat his meal just like the the Indonesians would do. And it it was funny because he was so big, close to the friends that we had over there. He was just different guy, you know, it's different body and everything. It was different, but he was blending in because. The way he talked, the way he respected the culture, the way he was connecting with people, the way he was pouring into the people, uh, it, it was it was a big challenge to, to us, and it was encouraging also to see it is possible. Not to become Indonesians, but to become what Christ wants us to be in that culture. As we seek to go back, um, as soon as our visa come through, we're looking in three new goals, three new things that I'm looking forward to be able to share with you guys maybe a few years down the road. The first one is a house building in a village. That is a big challenge. I will be happy to try and explain to you because I don't even know all the details I have to go through to be able to build something in the middle of nowhere. The island has absolutely nothing there. It's just people. There's no buildings, no stores, nothing. It's just jungle and the people. And the island is about three hours from this uh, closest town. We can get some supplies there, but not everything. So we have to go even further away, another, I don't know, six hours by boat to be able to get supplies for construction, for different things. We don't know. Things are changing. Since we finished with surveys, it's been about a year. So we're just kind of uh, hoping that things will develop, you know, and we start be able to get some of the things locally. But the house building is a big project. Tribal language study. The, the Miobo people speak a different language. They do speak Indonesian. You know, they are bilingual to a certain extent. We just don't know how much. So for the beginning, building relationships and in developing those, those connections with the people locally, we're going to be studying the, the, the tribal language. Developing lessons, Bible lessons that are going to be taught. And the third goal is the gospel presentation. Man, we are working so hard to get to this point. Why? Well, because that is what we were there for. Is to have people able to hear for the first time the truth of the gospel in a very clear way, in a way that they can understand it, in the language that they can understand it. If they decided not to, well, that's on them. Our responsibility is to be faithful and to present to them without any fogginess or anything that will make um, the truth being very confusing. Overwhelming goals, 
pretty much impossible, absolutely perfect opportunity to see God at work. You are part of it. If you think about us, if you think about Indonesia, if you come across to this, if you have any in your fridge, some people have in a fridge there, pray for the Miobo people. Pray for us so we can continue with our eyes focused in Jesus and we are not going to lose focus in what we have to do. Pray that we will find encouragement to just move on with the slow process of learning a language. It's worth it. We were enjoying a lot the last six months over there because you get to a level that you can just talk. You don't have to think and translate anymore. And it's amazing how much we learn from what God is doing in their, their lives there too. We're, we're participating in the Baptist Church over in Papua. That's been our way to connect with the local church there too. So we had a lot of good opportunities just to hang out with the pastors there and, and learn their struggles and their difficulties over there and be able to just encourage them as well uh, in ministry. Um, I, okay. I'm going towards the end. Let's just open in 2 Corinthians 4, and I'd like to finish with these verses. Since we got back, we, you know, God has been challenging me a lot with these verses in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 and 18. Um, and we could mention quite a few different ones, but I, I, li I like this because this changes all the struggles that we were facing in all the difficult times. Everything just kind of a changes really quick when we see these verses. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. For we fix our eyes not in what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, when the COVID first started back last year, um, you know, a lot of people with different feelings about this thing. Uh, some people very concerned. Other people are all whatever is totally fine. And, and you just have this kind of a bad taste sometimes in conversations because, you know, Oh, people are upset or other people are, oh, no, this is a good thing. You know, let's just be careful and it will go away. And it was hard to find something positive to talk about. It seemed like everything was very negative. And talking with a friend of mine, I used to work with this guy in Brazil for, for three, four years. Uh, I know him for quite a while now. He's not a believer. He's a good guy. He's a very good guy, but he's not a believer. And uh, I was talking to him, and he was concerned about us because he thought that we were over on the other side of the world. And, and he said, oh, I've been seeing the news, and things are so bad over there. How you guys are doing? So I said, no, well, we're still in the United States. We're just waiting for things to open up again so we can go back. And so I explained to him what happened. And, and he said, you know, uh, he, he calls me brother. We are not Christian brothers, but it's just a, a way to to say, hey, we're good friends, you know. He said, brother, I'm scared. 
I'm really scared about this thing. The hospitals are closed. Everything is a mess over here. So I said, you know, I can say, yeah, I'm sorry. Or I can say, man, I'm not scared. I have no reason. I mean, if we, if we are scared to die, I mean, we should be kind of a revisiting our understanding of eternity and what happens after we die. Because it's just a step into eternity. We have, I mean, that's what the word of God is teaching us. So I told him, you know, I'm not scared. Actually, yeah, I, I say, and I often men mention to my wife and kids and my kids, oh, daddy, you're not dying. I said, well, I'm looking forward to, you know, to be in heaven. No more pain, no more dealing with sin. We are free forever, you know, with Christ forever. Man, I'm looking forward to that. And it doesn't mean that I want to die, you know. It just means that I'm looking forward to eternity. But eternity starts right now. Salvation is the one step closer to eternity. We're going to all live forever. The difference is where? With Christ or away from him? So for a few minutes, I was able to talk with this friend of mine and just, you know, point him to eternity with Christ. And I don't know if he made a decision or not. And maybe I would know soon if we get to talk again. I don't know. But man, opportunities that we have to just point people to hope. The difference of being desperate and not being desperate is if you have hope or not. And we do have hope in Christ of eternal life. And that is amazing. And that is what the Neobo people are lacking. They still die thinking that they are saved. Thinking that they are pleasing God and just being good Christians. You know, they think they are. And they are as lost as they were before, if not worse now, because now they think they are saved and they are not. Um, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not in what is seen, but is what is unseen. What we can see is temporary. What we cannot see is eternal. Let's just focus our eyes in Jesus and keep walking. Keep walking forward. You know, uh, keep trusting in what the word of God is teaching us. We don't need anything besides truth. This is inspired and is right here. And we have access to it. And we like to sing a song really quick. Um, it's a song that we usually sing with the kids. The song is in Indonesian, um, so you guys get to hear this, the sounds of a different language for a little bit. Um, the song talks about, I want to love Jesus forever. Uh, even though the storms in our lives just come and storm, that's kind of how we translate it, I want to continue to love Jesus forever. Um, I'm not good at translating. 
you have to help me with the other part. One of the reasons that I, I got into learn English so quickly was because my, my wife is not a very good translator. So I'll tell this story really quick. We were in a church, you know, and it was the first six months we were back. And the church had asked, our church in Pleasanton had asked us just to give a report. You know, what you guys are doing, you know, when you're going to training and that kind of thing. Kelly said, oh, you want to say something? And, and I said, yeah, I can't do it in English, you know. I said, oh, it's fine. I'll translate it for you. I said, oh, okay, sounds good. So I got up. I said the first phrase, and she translated, and I said, okay. I said the second phrase, and she did. And I said, that was not what I said. You said it in front of the church. And everybody started laughing. And I said, sorry, honey, you're not translating what I'm saying. I could understand it, but, yeah, anyways. <laughs> able to learn the language too. Uh, they, they are doing pretty well. Uh, they can speak just uh, enough to play with friends and, and I'm sure that you know as long as we live there they're going to continue growing in their knowledge in the language too. So. And music is an easy way to learn, learn language. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity of just being here this morning, and thank you so much for uh, your word that teaches us in 
and help us to refocus and and to keep our eyes in Jesus and what he has for us, Lord. Just uh, continue to bless this church and their search for a new pastor to um, continue the ministry here and also just encouraging each one of them to keep their eyes in Christ and to keep moving forward in ministry, being uh, a useful tool in the community and people around them, uh, just trying to save some and doing everything we can for the sake of the gospel, uh, denying ourselves and sacrificing what needs to be sacrificed just so others can hear about the hope that we have in you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity once again and just uh, bless our time together here in Jesus' name. Amen.